we all need an encounter with God. And we've been talking about what it means to encounter Him. Today we're going to participate in one of the most meaningful moments of worship that we can have together as believers and followers of the Lord. Today we're going to talk about and we're going to prepare ourselves for communion. The reason that we get to encounter God today in our generation is because there was a price that was paid to allow our souls cleansing and access to God. There was a price that was paid. And I believe in our generation, one of the reasons that most of us fail to have a deep and personal encounter with God is that we forget how significant the price is. You see, the reason God has allowed us to encounter him is because there was a sacrifice that was made. There was a price that was paid. And that is what opens up the door for us to genuinely encounter God for who he is. And most of us miss that because we cheapen grace. We cheapen what God has done for us. And what we want is to meet with God on our terms. According to what we feel and what we want in our way. But we miss him because we forget that to encounter and to commune with God, we have to commune with him on his terms. And as we think about his terms, what do they look like? You see, today we will participate together in communion. Communion, that word, is a very powerful word. We, we might call it the Lord's Supper. But communion is something that you do with someone else. Communion is to draw deeply into relationship with someone else and to give it your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. To be all in on that relationship. And while that happens at times in our lives with someone else or for what we love or love to do, we miss out on the most important relationship when we cheapen the grace and the price that has been paid that allows us to commune with the greatest one of all. God wants to commune with you. And when we understand that there is a price that is more significant than anything else in this world, and when we stop and we recognize that He is a God that desires to encounter us or have us encounter him for who he is, that's a moment where our lives can truly begin to change. This morning, I, I want to talk about one other part in the story of Exodus because that's where we've been. So go on and grab your Bibles. And today, we're going to look at Exodus chapter 12. Um, as you're taking your Bibles and you're Turning to Exodus chapter 12, um, this week, for those of you in the room, we let you know that we would be taking communion. This is the first time that we've done this since we've been closed down and since we've gone through all of this stuff. So today, I'm genuinely going to prepare us to do it right. For those of you online, we made um, ourselves available throughout this past week for you to either receive, come by and get um, the elements. Um, I would encourage you that if you, if you missed out on that moment and, and today you are ready, um, that is amazing. It means that you were prepared for this moment. If you haven't, I would encourage you to participate appropriately. During this last season of life, a lot of people have, have cheapened certain things that are valuable for us as Christians. I would encourage you uh, not to cheapen this moment. Um, if you think, well, I'm going to go grab a cup of milk or some bread to suffice, um, do a little better than that. Because the reality is, when we cheapen the price that was paid for us to encounter God and we don't prepare ourselves appropriately, we just miss out on encountering the one who gave it all for us. I want to talk to you about communion and, and this whole encounter moment and how it leads to a life of worship. And if you're taking notes, I want to give you um, this lesson in advance. I, I want you to be able to think about this as we together take a journey to prepare us to encounter God through the sacrifice that was paid for our freedom. So, so here's what I want you to learn and to meditate on and to think about today as we walk toward that sacrifice to commune with God. To commune with God. To really genuinely, authentically commune with God. 
is to know the price that was paid for your freedom. If you want to commune with God in a real way, then to commune with Him is to know the price that was paid for your freedom. And it's to respond with deep worship because of the value of that encounter. To commune with God is to know the price paid for your personal freedom. Personally, for you. To commune with God is a personal thing. So if you want to commune with Him, then you have to know the price that was paid for you personally. For your freedom. And then out of that, we respond with deep worship. Because of the value of that encounter. The people of God have wrestled with this throughout all of history. It starts in the beginning. We have seen it throughout Christian history and world history. We see it today in our generation. And we will wrestle with this until the day that Christ returns to gather his children. And he will. But in the meantime, to encounter him, how, how do we experience an encounter with God? It's, it's to know the value of that price. That was paid for my personal freedom, for your personal freedom, for our personal freedom. And to understand it's so valuable that it causes within me a deep desire to worship God and to give Him glory. Because of the value of what He's done. What we'll see as we've walked through the life of Moses and his encounters with God. And, and as we walk through the lives of the people of Israel who we are like in so many ways. What we will see is that to encounter God is to understand that there is a price that was paid for our freedom. And when we cheapen that price or when we cheapen what God has done for us, we lose and we miss out on the true gift of life, the true meaning of life, and what it means to walk in an encounter with a God who genuinely wants to give us freedom. And He loves us. And He wants to change our ways in our life. As I look at this text today, here in Exodus chapter 12, um, the Bible says this. I'll be reading New International Version, verse 21, if you're following along. Then Moses summoned all the elders of Israel and he said to them, Go at once and select the animals for your families and slaughter the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop, dip it into the blood in the basin and put some of the blood on the top and on both sides of the door frame. None of you shall go out of the door of your house until morning. When the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, he will see the blood. He will see the blood on the top and the sides of the doorframe. And he will pass over that doorway. And he will not permit the destroyer to enter your house or strike you down. Obey these instructions as a lasting ordinance for you and for your descendants. When you enter the land that the Lord will give you as he promised, observe this ceremony. And when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? Then tell them, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt, and he spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. Then the people bowed down and worshipped. Now this passage is a very significant moment in the lives of the children of God and the people of God the Lord gave these instructions to Moses and then what you just read and were a part of was his delivering of this word to the people of God. And as God met with Moses, he, he told him, Moses, I'm going to set my people free. And there has been this moment where I've tried to show them over and over again that I desire their best, that I desire to set them free. But there are those who are not listening, so I have to go 
in this all the way to get the attention of those who aren't listening to me. And I will receive glory through this one way or another. And so he tells Moses, because I love them so much, I want you to tell them to go and take a lamb. And take that lamb and take the sacrifice and make that sacrifice as a part of a tradition to remind them that to commune with God is to understand the price paid for their personal freedom. And to know that it's so valuable that it should bring out of them a response of deep personal worship. And so with the blood, he tells them, paint the doorway. And when you paint the doorway with the blood of the lamb, the death angel, my avenger, will not enter their house, but he will pass over them. Now, here's the thing as I look at this passage. This, this shows me that the response of the people is to bow down and worship. What does it mean to bow down and worship? I mean, the truth is, most of us struggle to worship in church. Much less bow down before anybody. I mean, if you look at our world today, what you see in a lot of news of the world, you'll see in a lot of people's personal feeds is their, their own personal pride elevated against the way of God. And we all struggle with that. We all have that problem. To learn to encounter God by bowing our will, our heart, our life, humbling ourselves to that extent and to worship him is something that is freeing and will allow you to really encounter God for who he is and for what he can do. In this passage, the people bow down and worship. And I ask myself this question. Why should I bow down and worship the Lord? Why should you bow down and worship the Lord? Why should we have such an encounter and reverence for what God can do and for who he is? Why should we put ourselves in a moment where we encounter him and we bow down and worship? Why should we do that? Well, in this passage, there are some great truths for you and I to wrestle with as we prepare our hearts to encounter him and remember the power of sacrifice. And the first one is this, why, why would I, why would you, why would we genuinely bow down and worship one, the Lord? Why would we do that? First, because the blood of the Lamb is the only sufficient covering for my life. The blood of the Lamb is the only sufficient covering for your life. The blood of the lamb. Is the only. Sufficient. Covering. For our lives. In this passage. God told them go. And take a lamb. And make the sacrifice. And there are a lot of pieces attached to the sacrifice. Uh, I just want you to understand. It was a significant sacrifice. Even to the point. That if someone couldn't afford a lamb. Those who could would share with those who couldn't. And they would share because there was this genuine desire for the well-being of God's children. That they would catch one another's back in what was about to happen. And they knew God was going to set them free. The blood of the lamb is the price that is paid. And it is sufficient to cover your life. And it is the only thing. The only thing. That is sufficient. To bring you freedom. It's the only thing. Now what do we do? We try to express our freedom in life. We try to express it through our independence. We try to express it through our abilities. We try to express it through our own desire for significance and security within our jobs. Or in relationships. Or in our abilities. But here's the thing. And the truth of life is... All of those will let you down. All of them. 
Eventually, there's someone who will let you down. Eventually, your abilities will let you down. Eventually, your job or if you are a supervisor with people, somebody's going to let you down. And if your life is based in that type of image and you do not have the substance of the covering of the Lamb that is revealed in such a way that changes who you are and how you act and how you treat people, then you are trying to cover yourself with something that's not sufficient. The Egyptians were trying to cover themselves and fight against God by their might, by their financial ability, by their power, by their control. The Egyptians in this moment were able throughout all of this time to fight against Moses and to fight against God and to fail to acknowledge the truth. And God said, that's not sufficient. It will not save you. It will not protect you. But I'll tell you what will protect you. And only those who genuinely believe will receive this. The only thing that will protect you and save you and bring you freedom that is sufficient enough to cover all of your shortcomings and all of your failures is the blood of the Lamb. And the blood of the Lamb was taken and it was put on the doorpost. And every doorpost of every house that had the blood of the Lamb covered the death angel of the Lord. Which if you look at the scripture and you read the whole chapter, it's fascinating. Because the Bible says, when I go through the land... It means the Lord was present in this moment. When my avenger goes through the land, it means he was supervising what was happening in this moment. And while in our simple minds today we would say, well, then I cannot worship a God like that right. And therefore your covering is not sufficient. Because the only sufficient covering is to acknowledge that there is one in a sacrifice that is greater than anything that I can do. It's a sacrifice someone else to cover me and I need that sacrifice and that sacrifice is what protected and allowed the Lord to pass over in his judgment those who claimed the blood the Bible says this in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 13 but now in Christ Jesus you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ now, you who were once far away from God, you now have been brought near to God. You can encounter God. But how? By the blood of Christ. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19 says this, For you know that it is not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. But you were redeemed with what? With the precious blood of Christ. A lamb without blemish or defect. You see, so many times in our lives, we try to cover ourselves with perishable things. Perishable things. Silver, gold. Our own ability. Our own perspective. But you're not covered by that. The only thing sufficient to cover you is the blood. Of the Lamb. It's the only sufficient covering over my life. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. So we praise God for the glorious grace He has poured out on us who belong to His dear Son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that He purchased our freedom with the blood of His Son and He forgave our sins. That is who God is. And you will not see him this way as an individual if you're trying to cover yourself with something else. You will see another side of him that exists. And why would we see that? In our arrogance, we think we know better. In our arrogance, we want it our way. But you can only commune with God when you come to him on his terms and follow his way. And his way is the only sufficient way. The blood of the Lamb over your life. Number two, when I think about why I would bow down and worship the Lord, why you would bow down and worship the Lord, why we should bow down and worship the Lord when we encounter Him and understand the power of the value of the sacrifice that's paid, there is a reality 
And it's a very unfortunate reality. But it is a reality. Not everyone is guaranteed the gift of his salvation. Not everyone is guaranteed the gift of the salvation of God. That is a truth that goes from the beginning of time and it will stay the same until the end. And here's what happens in our world. We have become universalist. We believe that everybody in some way is going to draw near to God and be saved. And that simply is not true. It simply doesn't work. It makes us feel good as a society. It makes us feel good that everyone is going to be shown the grace of God. No, everyone is given the opportunity to encounter God and to bring Him honor and glory. But not everyone is going to choose that. This passage is very clear. That there were people who chose their own gods above the one true God. And that's what they chose. There were people who chose their own way above the way of the Lord. There were people who chose their own sacrifice and their own ability and their own mindset and their own pride to cover their own lives. And they did not choose to humble themselves in the sight of the one true God who could rescue them. And the Egyptians are a great story of a people group who ruled the world who had the power, who operated in the flesh, and who failed. Not everybody gets to experience the salvation of God, but only those who have the covering of the blood in their life and choose to allow that to be the basis of their encounter with God. As this passage gives a picture of what's to come, the Egyptian army would pursue the children of God after they've set them free. And you know that the children of God walked through on dry land while the armies were destroyed. This picture gives an analogy that says for those who trusted in their own strength, an avenger was coming, a death moment was coming. And a death moment comes for us all, but we have to be prepared for that. And only those who had the blood over their house were really prepared for that. Only those who had the blood over their life could receive the protection of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, because they were willing to act on it. And only those who are willing to act on it by faith are the ones who genuinely receive His grace, His covering, His mercy. 1 Peter chapter 1 uh, talks about the blood of the Lamb. The Gospel of John chapter 3, Jesus explains it. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him isn't that good there is no judgment against anyone who believes in him who the lamb jesus the one who would sacrifice but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in god's one and only son and the judgment is based on this fact God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. That's the fact. Jesus said that. Jesus said that. And while we want Jesus to be this really sweet baby Jesus in a manger and this really soft person that lets everybody in, Jesus was there in the moment of the Egyptians. The Lord told Moses, when I... Come through Egypt tonight. And when I unleash the one who I have the authority over. You better have the blood over your life. This has been a theme throughout scripture from the beginning to the end. And Jesus helps us understand. Not everyone is guaranteed the gift of salvation. It's offered. Don't mistake the grace of God in offering it. But if it's not received it has no covering for us. If it's not applied, it means nothing. Not everybody gets that. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, Jesus again says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. 
Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Wow. That ought to show you and I something about the reality of the value of the price that's paid and that we need to encounter God in such a way that causes us to bow down and worship. Because not everyone who says to him, Lord, Lord, and claims his name, gets into the promised land. Only those who have the blood applied to their life. Only those who not only just say, oh, Jesus but who genuinely means something in their life, in their heart, about who he is, and they express that. You see, here's the thing. The Egyptians knew God. Can you imagine being alive in that generation, by the way, and knowing that there was a God of another people that had sent a locust swarm to get your attention, that had turned the Nile to blood to get your attention, that it allow the solar system to line up and bring the world to darkness to get your attention. All of these things were set up to get their attention. Trust me, the world knew back then who was God. But only those who said, I'm going to pay attention now and put the blood over my life in such a way that protects me. Because he has that much authority. Only those experience the salvation of God. For you and I today, as we come to this moment in just a second, it's that important that the blood is over our lives. It's that important by what we're about to remember and participate in. For when we encounter God on His terms, that's when salvation enters our home, our household, our life. And the Egyptians learned that the hard way. A lot of people in life will learn that the hard way. You don't want that to happen to you. And so, when I think about why I would bow down and worship the Lord, I have to remember the blood of the Lamb is the only sufficient covering over my life. Not everyone is guaranteed the gift of salvation. But if you have it, you're grateful. Number three, I need to remember this if I want to bow down and worship the Lord. I need to remember that my judge and my avenger, he is strong. My judge... And my avenger, he is strong. In this world, we look for someone else to be our judge. We look to be the judge, the jury, and the executioner. We look to avenge what's happened to us. The Bible tells us, vengeance is mine, declares the Lord, and I will repay. We, we don't like that side of God in our generation. But that's why perhaps we miss out on encountering him. That's why perhaps we're not willing to bow down. Not only physically. Hey, listen, I get it. When you come to church, you don't want to be that man or woman or even watching online. That's where you are in this moment and bowing down before God because you might look silly. Hey, listen, that's one expression. But the reality is most of us will never bow down in our hearts. We'll never bow down in our mind. We'll never bow down in our soul, and much less we will not use our strength to bow down and worship. But when you begin to understand the power of the covering, when you begin to understand what you receive, not everybody gets to receive because they reject it. When you begin to understand the Lord is a mighty warrior, He is strong, and He is the judge, and He is the avenger, He is in charge of the destroyer, you might want to get right in that moment. And to get right is to bow the heart and to bow the mind and to bow the soul and to bow the strength before the one who is in charge. The Egyptians had a problem with that. They had a problem with the one that was in charge and they wanted to maintain control over a people group. And they wanted to do things in their own strength to manipulate others. And the reality of that situation is the people who claimed faith and who allowed it to penetrate their hearts and the blood to cover their lives, the one who took up for them and had their back, he is the judge and he is the avenger. And therefore, when he gave Moses these instructions to the people, hey, have them take the blood of the lamb and put it over their life, put it over their household, have those that they love apply it to their lives because 
We love them that much. We love the people around us that much. Have them get the blood right in their life. Put it over it because there is a moment coming when we all must face the judgment. There is a moment coming when there is a verdict. A time comes when there is a verdict. And those who want the right kind of verdict applied to their life, they're going to have the blood over it. And those who don't, they will see a side of the God that they fought their whole lives to not believe in and not follow. And he is that God. My judge and my avenger is strong. To the point that the judge and the avenger of the people of God, he took over an army that was stronger, a people group that was stronger, people who had everything looking right, everything in the right place, and God came through for those who were broken, those who were humbled, those who were defeated, whose souls had been oppressed, whose hearts had been destroyed, whose minds were shattered, and yet God came through in the flesh because He is a strong God on behalf of those who want to bow down before Him and worship Him. The Bible says this to us. Nahum chapter 1, verse 2 and 3. We again don't like these things in our generation. I understand that. I don't like it either. But the truth is the truth. And Nahum was a deliverer of truth. And he says this about God. A jealous and avenging God is the Lord. The Lord is avenging and wrathful. The Lord takes vengeance on his adversaries. And he reserves wrath for his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger. And he is great in power. And the Lord by no means will leave the guilty unpunished. That is who he is. And the only way that we get beyond that is the sufficiency of the blood. Because the destroyer is unleashed all the time. There's always things working in this world to destroy us. Our hope, our faith, our life, our minds. Always. How do you beat that? How do you overcome those things? The blood of the Lamb. The blood of the Lamb. The blood of the Lamb. That protects me against the judgment of God. And the punishment that comes for those who do not believe. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 4. And verse 5, they are surprised to know, talking about the people of the world, that you do not join them in their reckless, wild living. And they heap abuse on you. They abuse you for it. But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. There is one who is strong and who will call us into account one day. And the only way to come through that unscathed is to know that you genuinely will bow down and worship with your life and encounter the blood that covers you. Revelation, the last book of Scripture, chapter 6, verse 9. This is from that moment where God is giving prophecy through the Apostle John of what is to come at some point in time. When he opened the fifth seal, the angel of the Lord, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God. They had passed on because of their belief and their faith in the word of God. And in the testimony they had maintained, irregardless of what they had to walk through, they held on to the word of God and the faith in who he was and what he said. They called out in this moment. They called out in a loud voice. How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? There is a reality in this world, and even today if you look at it, but it's happened throughout history. So don't think that you are immune from what's going on. Others have been through this as well. Read the books. Christians who have trusted in the Lord and in the covering of the blood have always been abused by the world. Always. And the more that we try to fit into it, the more we stand in danger when we echo and answer before God what we're holding on to. Are we holding on to Egypt? To the things of Egypt? Are we holding on to the blood? 
And in this moment when I understand that my judge, my avenger is strong, that God will avenge. He will come against those who do not apply the blood to their life. I I have to acknowledge that's why I need to turn and bow down and worship him. So when that happens, how should I respond if I know these things to be true of God, then, then how should I respond when I encounter God? When I have moments where I encounter God, what is my response? And to set us up for this moment where we can commune with God, how should you and I respond when we understand who He is and the power of the price that was paid for our personal freedom? Well, the first way that's always appropriate to respond is with total humility. And I'll be honest, you don't see a whole lot of humility in people these days. You don't see a whole lot of people expressing the willingness to bow down to the Lord, much less to one another to make the world a better place. You don't see people trying to help one another out. You see people elevating themselves, their position, their desire to put others down. That's what this whole historical moment was. And quite frankly, it still happens today. Call yourself a Democrat. Call yourself a Republican. Call yourself a Christian. But do you really live under the authority of the blood? Or are you living under the authority of someone else? I have seen in this world, Christians cast everything up to cover their lives except Jesus. And I'm going to tell you something. It's not acceptable before God. It doesn't matter where you came from, what culture you were born in, or how you believe about the political systems of this world. They are all broken. So what does that require when we want to genuinely be covered by the blood? Absolute, total humility before God. And quite frankly, before those around us. That's when the covering is applied to your life. Did the Egyptians have humility before God? No. But to acknowledge that I need a covering that's going to rescue me and those I love. I need something that will change my direction and my attitude and what I do. When I acknowledge that, that requires that I humble myself before the one who is in charge of all things and allows all things to happen. Do you really think that the pandemic is something that is allowed by the governments of this world? Do you really think that the governments of this world is some, are, are the people who are really in charge of your life? If so, you are limited in your understanding of the one who's in control. You are limited in your understanding as a Christian of the one who wants to get your attention to bow down and be humble before him. He is the one that is in control of all things and he allows them. The Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 16 verse 18. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Therefore humility before God is required. To experience him. That is the only response that is acceptable to encounter him the right way. First Peter chapter 5 verse 6. Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. That he may exalt you at the right time. It's not that God wants to control or keep you down. No, it's him saying if you will humble yourself before me. Then you will get yours the right way in the right time. That's what he will do for those. But what does it require? A humility before him. Isaiah chapter 38 verse 15 and 16. But what can I say? He has spoken to me. And he himself has done this. Whatever is happening in your life, he himself has done that. He allows it and he's speaking to you. He's speaking to me. Therefore, I will walk humbly all my years. Because of this anguish of my soul. Lord, by such things people live. My spirit finds life in them too. You restored me to health, the prophet says. And you let me live. 
What do you see Isaiah reflecting there? An acknowledgement that his life was going through a deep brokenness. Instead of elevating that he could be prideful about it, he knew humility before God was paramount above everything else. Humility before God is what, him allow, is what allowed him to live through one of the most difficult seasons of his life. That is a response to the covering of God and to prepare ourselves to encounter him. Number two, how should I respond when I encounter God always with heartfelt obedience? Heartfelt obedience. We have a trouble as people obeying God, don't we? Let's be honest. We have a trouble believing that God really does desire our best. And therefore, we pursue other things to fill our hearts, our souls, our minds, and our strength to give us value in our own eyes or in the eyes of those around us. But when we miss out on responding to God with humility and we do not respond with heartfelt obedience that leads to life change, then we are missing out on encountering God for what He can do for us in our lives. Isaiah reflected that, but it's evident in the life of King David as well. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22. What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to His voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. God says that to his people in that moment, not only to remind them of humility, but remind them heartfelt obedience is more important than anything else. Not feigned, not pretend, but heartfelt obedience to God. That's when you become a new person. That's when you can reflect that you've truly encountered God. And I'm going to be honest, it's hard to get there, but that's the value of the sacrifice and why we have to have the blood covering us. Romans chapter 6, verse 17. Thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching, which is the gospel to which you were committed. You used to be in bondage to sin, but now you have been set free. How? In obedience of heart to the sacrifice, the good news of the one who came to set you free. Matthew chapter 21, verse 28 through 31. But what do you think about this? Jesus says, A man with two sons told the older boy, Son, go out and work in the vineyard today. The son answered, No, I won't go. But later, he changed his mind, and he went anyway. Then the father told the other son, You go. And he said, Yes, sir, I will. But he didn't go. Which of the two obeyed his father? Jesus even understood this well. It is heartfelt obedience, not feigned obedience, that allows us to encounter God. It is a response of genuine obedience from our hearts. And when I look at this passage, the children of God needed to have heartfelt obedience when they put the blood of the Lamb over their doorpost. Why is that significant? Because if they didn't, they perished. If they didn't obey, they were no better than the world around them. Wow. What about you and I? Heartfelt obedience and humility are part of our response to God. And the last one is absolute gratitude. Absolute gratitude. How do I respond when I understand the power of the sacrifice and what God has done for me? How do I respond in an encounter with God? Absolute gratitude. You know the power of the price and the value of the price that was paid for you to encounter and to know God and to set you free. And therefore, a proper response is absolute gratitude before God. That's a response to God. The Bible says this in Colossians chapter 3. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude from your hearts. 
That is a response and an expression for the power of the sacrifice. The children of God, when they knew what God was going to do, they bowed down and worshipped. They were responding with gratitude for saving my life, saving those I love, covering myself with the blood of the Lamb so I didn't have to be covered with my own, which is not sufficient. Gratitude. It's a response. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28 through 29. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Has your world kingdom been shaken? But be grateful for a kingdom that has not been shaken. It cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. That is the writer of Hebrews understanding the value of being covered by the grace of God and applying that to our lives and responding the right way, bowing down and worshiping with gratitude. Psalm 28 verse 7, David says this, The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my shield. My heart trusts in Him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart rejoices, and I give thanks to Him with my song. Absolute, total, complete gratitude. You see, as we come to this moment to encounter God, to commune with God, to draw near with God, we begin to understand that this is a moment where we must bow down and worship. Why? Because the blood of the Lamb is the only sufficient covering over my life. Why? Because the gift that you and I have received, not everyone receives. Why? Because my judge, your judge, the avenger, he is strong on behalf of those who bow down and worship Him, who respond to Him when He calls out for them. He is the God that requires from us total humility, absolute, heartfelt obedience, and a response of gratitude. So, you have the elements. For this story in the Old Testament was meant to remind the people of God throughout history of the moment when God passed over them and the judgment did not come against them. And then it was a foreshadowing of the greatest moment of all for which we should bow down our lives and our hearts, our minds, and all of our strength and worship who has set us free. For Jesus that moment on that cross paid a price that's valuable for your freedom so if you have your cup today I encourage you to go on and open it go ahead and grab your bread and as we together commune together but more importantly with God as you open the cup I ask you this question. Together, how important is the sacrifice of the body of Christ for you? For you to encounter God for who He is, for what He's done, how important is the sacrifice? of the body of Christ for you? Is it a passing moment? Is it a moment where you immediately snatch back up your pride, your way? Or is it something that when the core, within the core of who you are brings humility, heartfelt obedience, and a response of, thank you, God, for taking a sacrifice in your body your son for me. And Jesus told his disciples what he was about to do, that his body would be broken for them.
he reminded them of the cross that he would die upon. And he told them, take and eat in remembrance of me. God, thank you for the power of the sacrifice. That means everything to us today. And then you have a cup. And as you take and open the cup, as you prepare to take this next element and remember this thing, I want to ask you this. How much does the blood of the Lamb mean over your life? How important is the blood of Jesus over your life? To encounter Him is to understand this, that just as Moses told the children of God, take the hyssop, dip it in the blood, put it over your doorpost so too when Jesus was on the cross they took the hyssop and they dipped it in sour wine and they put it in the mouth of the one who would refuse that sacrifice knowing that it was only his blood that would set you and I free how important is the blood to you in honor of him knowing that for me it's the most important thing of all. For you, it means something. It's valuable. If it's that valuable, then as you take, do it in remembrance of the Lamb, Jesus. God, we understand that communion with you requires that we understand the value of the sacrifice that you made for our personal freedom of heart, soul, mind, strength. And therefore, we draw into you alone. And in this moment, we genuinely want to express our humility, our heartfelt love and obedience and our gratitude to you for what you have done to cover us through your Son. And so with that, we want to encounter you. We want to bow down. And we want to worship you.